0: Welcome to Holistic Ambition, where we talk with visionary leaders who are redefining what it means to be ambitious. We cover ways you can live with more well being, meaning, and fun in your career, business, and relationships. I'm your host, Stephanie Toma, life coach for ambitious professionals and author of Confident Introvert. Today, we have Miriam Shulman with us. Today's guest is an artist, author, and host of the Inspiration Place podcast. She has helped thousands of creatives around the world develop their skill sets and create more time and freedom to do what they love. Her signature program, The Artist Incubator, teaches artists to go from so-so sales to sold out collections. After witnessing 9-11, she abandoned a lucrative hedge fund to become a full-time thriving artist featured in major publications including Forbes, Entrepreneur, The New York Times, Where Women Create, Art of Man, and Art Journaling Magazine. Her artwork has also been featured on NBC's Parenthood and the Amazon series Hunters with Al Pacino. Now her book, Artpreneur, was an instant number one bestseller for art business books and provides the actual steps to turn your creative ideas into a thriving business. Please welcome to the show, Miriam Shulman. And we're just going to dive in with a question. Something that struck me was this element of charm pricing, you know, pricing that ends in 99, but you advise that people do it a little bit differently. So I'm curious, what is charm versus prestige pricing and why does that matter?
1: Okay. This is a great question to start with. So we've all walked into Walmart and seen, you know, those big sales racks for, maybe we don't all walk into Walmart by the way. So maybe some of us do, but like the, the, we see the sales and it'll say a pack of underwear, 10 for $14.97. Or we see coaching programs that are $19.97. And we assume that that's the way we should price everything is price it with the 99 or the 97. And there is a time and a place for doing that. But let's talk first about why Walmart does it. Have you heard this before, Stephanie? Or is this in, new to in you, your, your audience?
0: Brain. In your the book, okay. okay. I think it's new to All my right. audience.
1: Okay, so pricing something, so if you, instead of charging $2,000 or $20, if you price something for $19.97, your brain is gonna perceive it as $19 or $1,900, and they don't, doesn't think about rounding it up to $2,000. And they do that because the perceived value is lower. So that's something that's familiar to many of us, But it does a couple of things that many of us don't think of. The first thing it does is those types of numbers, one, nine, nine, seven, rather than 2000, two, zero, zero, zero. It's processed by the logical side of our brain. And it lets the customer know that you're counting every dollar, or in the case of Walmart, 1997, you're watching every penny. Now, if you're selling a luxury good, you don't want to attract penny pinchers that are watching every penny. So pricing something at 1997 is a terrible idea because you're going to attract the wrong people. And one of the biggest questions I get asked, Stephanie, is like, how do I attract the right audience? How do I attract people who are willing to pay premium
0: prices? Yeah, I think that's so genius because I know in a lot of my training in you know the personal growth, uh, you know, coaching industry, for example, it's. It's been so popular to have like, don't do a thousand, do nine nine seven, and it, it attracts people into thinking they're getting a deal when really, what you're asking artists and creatives to do is say, hey, go ahead and claim the premium price point where it's not about counting every dollar. It's just about like, hey, like if you if you have two grand for this for this service or this product, then yeah, it, it kind of reframes the whole situation, and you know when it comes to believing in yourself and your product you talk about this belief triad so no, wait i'd love to talk about belief triad, but
1: we still haven't told them what prestige
0: pricing is Ooh, so yeah, yeah.
1: prestige pricing is not necessarily about pricing something higher so it's about pricing with the rounded numbers so those rounded numbers two thousand is processed so we talked about one nine nine seven is processed by the logical side of the brain mm-hmm. rounded numbers two zero 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 is processed by the emotional side of your brain so when you ha- are selling something that is an emotional decision rather than a logical decision you want to price using rounded numbers it's not necessarily about asking so much more money and they did studies on champagne and priced it at $39, $40, $41, and priced at $40, it sold the best. And what the studies found is that's because for a luxury good, people want it to be a rounded number and it's a more of an emotional decision. So if you're selling a luxury good, or if you want a premium customer, always use rounded numbers. So in terms of my artists, what I tell them is first of all, never do the 97.99 for any other art because art is always gonna be an emotional purchase. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I sell my art classes, I will sell like an online art class for $4.97 because there that does become more of a logical decision. Uh, for my coaching program, my my artist incubator, I price it for $19.97. But for the programs above that, like my Program my my accelerator my masterminds it's five thousand dollars it's three thousand dollars you don't want to attract a penny pincher to a program that is a premium coaching program or if you're selling a canvas that is a ten thousand dollar canvas you're not going to price it at nine, nine 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 it's just ridiculous so I wanted to make sure your audience understood the listener if you that you understood why you should use the two different things and
0: really what charm pricing versus prestige pricing really is. Yeah, and you know, even getting people used to paying you, right? So, it kind of sounds like let's say if you have something that's a, a lower tier item, then maybe that can be the 99, for example. But if it's a, if it's a canvas, you know, and something that you talk about in your book that I think is so important for for traditional artists in particular is to take a step away from, you know, the mugs and the postcards and to just go for the canvas.
1: Yeah, there's a huge um misconception. And it goes across industries. Um, artists are not the only ones with money drama, but pricing drama. And that is the idea that cheaper is easier to sell. And it isn't. So uh, I'm going to give a non art example. So that everyone in your audience can relate to this. Uh Lately, I was hearing a lot of chatter in in the different communities that i my ears on about how the artists were wanting were advising each other let's offer small paintings because of the economy because of the recession because of this and that which by the way stephanie i don't know if you follow the wall street news reports spending in the us is really high right now it's though it really hasn't affected us in that way yes the price of eggs and groceries are high but spending has kept up but anyway that aside Mm-hmm. Um. Where, where was I going? Yeah, so the question is, should you paint smaller or bigger? Should you offer small coaching packages or big coaching packages? And the analogy I love, if comes from interior design world. So if you, and you just moved to Austin, mm-hmm. if you had, if you were moving across the country and you had no furniture, nothing at all, what are you more likely to buy a $400 end table for your empty apartment or a
0: $4,000 sofa for your empty apartment. The foundation, the foundational pieces. That's right. And what the lesson is, is that people want
1: foundations. They want things that make a bigger impact. And I've even tried this in my own world, like, oh, I'll take my coaching program and I'll just sell a piece of it off. Invariably, it doesn't sell as well as offering the higher ticket um, programs that are a foundation and make a bigger impact in my clients' lives, rather than trying to solve just this one small problem over here. So whether you're in a product-based business or a service-based business, know that people will pay more for a bigger impact, and this goes across industries.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I see so many opportunities here to really have people tune into their confidence to build that up. And, you know, we're going to go back to the belief triad, but now actually let's kind of go into the belief triad and then I have something else in mind, but how does the belief triad tie in with okay. being able to actually think of yourself as someone that creates something that's premium? Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. We've all heard self-development
1: gurus talk, say, you gotta believe in yourself and you gotta believe in your product or your art. But what I don't hear, Stephanie, is people talking about that third part of the belief triad, which is why I came up with this idea. The triad is, yes, you have to have belief in yourself. Yes, you have to believe in your craft, your art, your services, whatever it is that you, whatever contribution you're making to the world and whatever value you're bringing, but you also have to believe in your buyer. You have to believe in your customer. Mm -hmm. You have to believe in their result. So if you're a service-based business and you're offering a coaching package, you have to believe that they will get the result of your program because you have to believe that more than they believe in themselves. Mm -hmm. When I'm looking to sell a piece of art that's $5,000. So Stephanie, if I were to offer you a $5,000 painting, what's going through your mind, and and let's just pretend you like the painting, okay? So what's going through your mind is not, is Miriam Shulman's painting worth $5,000? Is this art worth $5,000? What you're thinking about, Stephanie, most likely, am I worth investing $5,000 to get something I want? Mm -hmm. And that is what's going through our customer's mind. They're not thinking about us. They're thinking about themselves. They're thinking, are they worth investing in? Are they worth investing in this coaching program? Are their dreams worth investing in? Are they worth investing in? And you have to hold space for belief that's bigger than theirs. Because if you're uncertain about them, they'll pick up on it. They'll pick up on it. And the brain hates uncertainty. And that's why they'll say no, because if you don't believe in them. So that's what the belief triad is is and why it's so powerful
0: yeah sort of you know i i've heard um another person in the personal growth industry talk about staying out of people's wallets and not projecting your own money stuff onto them and i mean even yeah it is an opportunity if someone really authentically loves something you know money is a renewable resource so allowing them to you know pay you a prior a higher price point and you know their level of enjoyment like, yeah, it's something that, that all ultimately works out. And, you know, when it comes to marketing, let's say at this luxury level, something that you talk about in Entrepreneur is uh, marketing diseases. So can you tell us about, and I love these names, by the way, the Sleeping Beauty Complex, Rapunzel Style Marketing, Painted Rock Problem. Okay. So um, where should we dive in first? Sleeping Beauty?
1: Yeah. Okay. So sleeping beauty complex, I wanted to say sleeping beauty syndrome, but apparently that's a real illness <laughs> that like a necrophiliac or something. Oh man! So, yeah. <laughs> um, so sleeping beauty, Com- sleeping beauty complex. If you think about the Disney movie, sleeping beauty, we have, we see this beautiful baby and they find out that there's going to be some, some sort of curse if she pricks her finger. So what do they do? The fairies take this little baby and they bring her to the woods. And we don't see puberty, we don't see pimples, we don't see awkward teenage years. The next time we see Aurora, she's 16, she's gorgeous, she's fully grown. And what a lot of people want to do, Stephanie, when it comes to their art, and when it comes to their business, or when it comes to their podcast, or when it comes to anything that they're doing, is they don't want to bring it out into the world until it's a fully grown, beautiful adult. But the thing is is you really have to, to develop as a marketer to develop as an artist to develop as a coach to develop as anything you have to love your business you have to love your art when it's a baby when it's a teenager you have to love it the whole way through you have to love your baby now you can't wait until your style's fully evolved as an artist because guess what your style is always going to evolve so when are you going to ever not be evolved anymore you know, Picasso went through many different evolutions. He didn't say, Oh, this is my rose period. And, uh, I, it's not avant garde enough. I have to wait till I'm the cubist. Oh, he brought everything out as he went along. So I see a lot of people do this. Again, this is across all industries, like podcasters. They want to keep it, make it perfect before they bring it out. But that's not how you get better. You really
0: need to have that feedback. I'm curious now, so for those who feel like, especially in the creative realm, that they want to be known for something and they want to have a niche where, but they're not even sure what it is because they're still experimenting. How can those people that are still trying out new things reconcile, having to be a bit messy? It's a great question. And again, this is something that applies to everything.
1: You have to go all in, but you have to go all in on that one thing. And what I see a lot of people do, again, all industries. So art, like maybe they do pottery and paintings. Well, let's see which sells better. Well, if, if you walk into a booth and you see pottery, uh, crochet doilies, paintings, a uh, couple of um, ju- jewelry, you see all these things, you're not gonna take that artist too seriously. And their craft and all five of those different things are not gonna evolve. Same thing for service-based business. How many people do we see they can't decide what they want so they're doing all five things, but they're not getting good at any of them. So it's kind of like, there's lots of ways to get to the top of the mountain, but you can't keep changing which path you're taking up to the top of the mountain. You have to go all
0: in, pick one thing and go all in on it. Mm. Yeah, so so that's clear. So if someone's listening, Let's say they're like, "Oh, I'm trying all these things. I'm A B C D E F G testing." It's like, okay, cut it out. <laughs> Go ahead and just pick one thing and give it three months, six months, twelve months, exactly. and see if you need to move on from it. Um, and you know, this kind of brings us. I love that you're working with metaphors around, you know, like Sleeping Beauty and Rapunzel. So, what is Rapunzel style marketing? Okay, so
1: basically. Again, the, so, was Rapunzel ever a Disney movie? Anyway. I believe it was. It might have been. It doesn't matter. In yeah. the fairy tale Rapunzel, she's in the tower. She's waiting for the prince to rescue her. And the prince finds her and climbs up her hair. And now she's rescued. Well, so many of us are, are the same way. We want the fish to jump into our boat. You know, I'll ask an artist, like, well, how, how'd you get that sales? Oh, well, somebody found me on Instagram last year. It's like, well, if you're waiting for people to find you, You're waiting for them to jump into your boat. That's Rapunzel-style marketing. Mm -hmm. If you want to be successful, you have to make your own opportunities. You have to go looking
0: for them. Yeah, yeah. So this this proactivity, and I know that, I mean, some people listening, they may be like, oh, you know, you just have to be really embodied in your message and then people come to you. But no, like there is still an element of action (laughs) that needs to take place. So that's right. Do you have any tips around visibility? Let's say for someone who is um, maybe they've been doing that forever and their sales are not great because every now and then someone finds them and reaches out to them. What's something they can do to kind of flip the switch to be more proactive about promoting themselves? Great question. Okay. So we what we're really
1: talking about is audience building. And there's three ways to build your audience. The three ways are your universe. So that's anyone you come in contact with. So yes, that includes your social media, your website, blog, podcast, if you are brick and mortar, or if you're an artist who goes in person, all this, anytime you come into contact with human beings, whether it's virtual or, or in person, that's your universe. The second way are other people's universes. So this is what we're doing right now. People are finding out about me, Stephanie, because I'm on your podcast. And I'll be resharing that to my people and my people will find out about you. So other people's universes, other people's platforms, other people's blogs, podcasts, we're basically talking about publicity. And that has been huge for many of the clients that I work with. The last way is paid paid universes. So basically paid advertising, which is a method. And a lot of us in the online space, we do use it. For my artists, I don't recommend that they do a lot of paid advertising because doing publicity, free publicity is is such a better return for their investment. But I personally, uh, I spend money all the time on my social media advertising because it works. It brings in a fresh audience of people to discover my me and my message i could have the greatest message in the world but if i'm in that tower like rapunzel and nobody hears it
0: it's not going to do anybody any good yeah yeah so and you know this next one i feel like we did touch on this already the painted rock problem but if you just want to restate it to bring it back
1: okay we didn't totally talk about it because it's like this is about the whole mindset of cheaper is easier to sell Mm-hmm. And the, the, where the painted rock comes in is I get emails. This is literally in my book. This was a real email that was sent to me. Miriam, um, my problem is I paint on rocks and people don't consider it real art. How do I find more, build my audience? I was like, well, you're quite. You're, the answer's in the question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I call it the painted rock problem, but really it is the idea of artists. But again, we're not just talking about artists. So think about what you're selling. These are things that can't be priced higher because it's a rock or it's a sticker or it's a greeting card or it's a $5 ebook or there's, it's, there's something about it where it can't be priced higher. It's not just about your mindset around it, but you're, you're really creating the wrong product in the hopes that you'll find a huge audience and it's much easier to rely
0: on less people and a smaller audience, and go high end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so instead of rocks, paint a canvas, a big one. (laughs) And- That's right. And you know- I I wanna just share a conversation I had recently
1: with an artist who, and she's making $25,000 for an artwork. She didn't start off that way, but she was sharing with me a conversation that she had with a designer when she was in a, in a gallerist. They were both giving her similar advice. And she was resistant against making bigger art. And she says, well, the, these canvases fit in my car and they're easier to store. And the gallerist said to her, well, do you want to store your art or sell it? And so a lot of us have these like excuses that we come up with. I don't really like to call them excuses because their doubts are brain. Can I go into this next thing? This is like, I'm so afraid you're going to say boom. No. (laughs) All right. Okay. (laughs) So our brains have evolved for survival, not goal achievement. So whenever we're going to do something that's different, that makes us feel uncomfortable. So for this artist, it was painting larger. Um, And by the way, for many women going bigger is very uncomfortable. We've been conditioned to play small, whether that so Showing up in a bigger way, whether it's a bigger business, a bigger artwork, a bigger stage, a bigger whatever it is, we're going to feel internal resistance. Now, what's going to happen is we may not be able to recognize that that's the fear that's going on. Those those the feeling line, that fear line, those feelings might be below the surface. So what's going to happen, though, is your brain will sense this fear and instead it will come up with all the reasons why it's a terrible idea. Whatever this new thing is that you want to do, this new path you want to try. This is a terrible idea. So if they don't feel like excuses to us, it feels real. And Stephanie, I can tell you that the smarter you are and the more creative you are, the better you're going to be coming up with these stories that sound real, but these are our brain's way of keeping us safe
0: yeah and i mean safe but also not as wealthy as he could be so is that really safe and <laughs> well, what, yeah. are, what are some phrases that people just need to kind of stop <laughs> you know maybe these phrases that are in in the back of their minds they get in the way of let's say raising their money mindset
1: okay so throughout the book arpreneur i call it out a lot so you might be thinking so i call it starving artist thoughts. You might be thinking, I don't live in an art town. You might be thinking, I can't sell now because there's a war. You might be thinking, I can't sell now because it's a pandemic, or whatever it is that you're thinking. And I say, hey, guys, these are thoughts. What can you be thinking right now instead? So there's a lot of mindset work that's built into this book. It's based on Aaron Beck's work, Cognitive Behavior Therapy, And what he recognized with his patients is that the way people think about their problems changes how they deal with them and changes their results. So it's less about what is the situation right now, but how you think about it. And so I try to call out some of these common starving artist thoughts and more abundant thinking that you can think instead. So I can't charge a lot. I'm just starting out is a very common one. But it's not necessarily true that you should be undercharging just because it's your first
0: year doing something. Right. I know paying your dues is overrated. Why not be top tier immediately? You know, but of course, that takes a little bit of the mindset work and knowing what you're telling yourself that isn't really serving you. And, you know, this kind of ties in nicely with once you kind of harness your own mindset, then you're able to actually focus on your customer more instead of being so self conscious. Right. So, how can empathy? help with leading a customer to purchase?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Stephanie. So that's why inside the book, Artpreneur, I actually provide an overcoming objections chart. And again, those of you listening who are not artists, this is not just for artists. The, the Everything that I write about in the book are uh, selling strategies that apply to everyone. But I do bring make it more specific to artists because most of the time, us artists are left out of the conversation. But when it comes to what you're talking about how to empathy for your customer so let's circle back to what we were saying before how i said you have to believe in your customer and you have to believe in them more than they believe in themselves and so empathy is about understanding what's going through the mind of your customer so you can step into compassion for them because they're worried about making a mistake that is what they're most afraid about they're afraid of making a mistake and looking stupid Once you step into compassion for them and not make it about you, not only are you able to close more sales, but you will be able to do it in a way that feels good to both of you.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, having this, this focus on the other and this, this ties in with, I know in recent years, there's been a huge focus on social media and the influencer, but We've also seen that sometimes these influencers aren't really selling much and it's kind of like smoke and mirrors. So (sighs) you talk a lot about email lists and the importance of that. Uh, So what would you say to someone who has been building up their social media following but doesn't yet have an email list or maybe they don't even have a social media following? What can they do? Okay, so
1: if you don't have a social media following, peace out, you don't really need it to be honest with you. Uh, It's much more, we talked about the three different ways to build your audience and social media is a very small part of it. I saw a chart recently and it ranked everything from television ads, radio ads. uh, I think television ads was the lowest, lowest, lowest way to get customers right now. Remember that used to be the only way, like that's the lowest followed by radio. And then I think social media was just above radio. And then it would like went all the way up and email is all the way on the top. So here's the thing. We talk about the influencers who aren't really making a lot of money. Uh, this is a stat that blew me away. I was researching the engagement rate for Instagram because the first draft of my book, Stephanie, uh, I didn't really call out why you don't use social media is mostly focused on what what you should be doing instead. And one of the editors really didn't like that. She said, Oh, well, I see she's a woman in her fifties. So I guess she's old fashioned and that's why she doesn't believe in social media. And of course that pissed me off, but it also made me realize I didn't make a strong enough case about why not social media. So when I came back with the next draft of my, of my manuscript, I research what is the engagement rate right now for Instagram. So this was 2022. The average engagement rate for the for a regular Joe or Jane is zero zero point six percent. That means out of a thousand people, at most you're going to have six people engaging with you. And I'm willing to bet one of them is trying to buy your art as an NFT, which is a scam. Okay. So then, Stephanie just like made her eyes really wide. All right. So (laughs) then, these are the scams that we get hit with. I'm sure you get hit with different ones, Bitcoin, hello, honey, you know, those types of things. So the next thing I wanted to know, okay, well, what about these influencers? What about all these people who want to teach us how to increase our engagement rate? What's their engagement rate? What does that look like? Is it 10%? Is it 20%? Because I have artists coming to me and they say, I want to get my engagement rate up to 30%. So I looked up what the influencers engagement rate is. I I would ask you, but you read my books, so maybe you know the answer. Yeah. Okay, one, one point six percent. So, or maybe it's one point two. I now I forget. So, in other words, out of a um, thousand people, they'll have twelve people who are engaging with them. So they're not really doing much better than we are, even though they apparently know all the things. Now, what about email? So email, the open rate is 24%. So that means if you have 100 people on your email list, 24 people will open it, they'll see your art, they'll see your message, they'll see your um, whatever, you, whether you're a graphic designer, whether you design websites, whether you're a coach, whether you're a yoga teacher, 24 people will see what it is that you're talking about. Let's compare that to Instagram, okay? If you want 24 people to see what you're talking about on Instagram, you would need 4,000 followers to get those 24 people to see what you're talking about and engage with you. So which is easier if you're a small business owner? Is it easier to get 4,000 people to follow you or 100? The numbers don't lie.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of, I mean, social media, it's I think there was a point in time before everyone was doing it where it was like, you know, people were there were way more consumers and creators. But yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing like having an email list that you own. So I really appreciate that. You know, you're highlighting that, but also letting people know, hey, like the reason why I bring this up is because so many people are talking about the importance of social media when really that now is dated and totally date it. That's, that's what I thought was so ridiculous. It's like, yeah.
1: no, I'm, I'm not talking about, beco- not because I'm old fashioned, but because I'm not. Mm-hmm. Because it worked in 2008, not in 2023. And the thing that I want your, your, the listener to understand, it's not because of the evil algorithms. People are just not on the platform. So when I was promoting my book, I thought that a promotion strategy was, so it's not that I don't, com- completely don't believe in social media. I thought, oh, I'll do Instagram lives. I'll team up with like my influencer friends and we'll do Instagram lives. So right before Stephanie, you go on to Instagram and you could probably do this right now yourself. If you scroll and find the Instagram app, I actually took it off my phone recently, but if you go there and you hit Instagram and then you hit the plus sign, right before right when you do that and then you scroll through you can choose story post or live if you choose live and everyone listening you could do the same exercise at home all right when you choose live it will tell you how many followers not are tuned into your live because you haven't even hit the the go live button yet but how many people are actually on the platform out of 27 actually i'm up to twenty-nine thousand people do you want to guess how many people are live right now 12. Yeah. (laughs) 12, 15. And that's not tuning into you. That's actually on the platform out of 29,000
0: people. What? Goodness. The people are going elsewhere. So, you heard me say I took the
1: app off my phone recently. I just couldn't take it anymore. So I'm not the only one who feels that way.
0: Yeah. And it's like, I think it's so interesting that you're bringing up how there are trends, but, you know, a lot of what your book stands for is really getting back to the foundational pieces of business and creativity. Oftentimes they're segmented and separated, but I love how you bring them together for people. And, you know, as we begin to wrap up, I have a few closing questions. Uh, So the first is in a word and a phrase, how do you define ambition?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I, th- I think what I was thinking about when we talked about it before we hit record is like, what's the future of ambition? Or maybe I interpreted it differently. Yeah, yeah. If you're ambitious, you have to be creative. And it's just like what we've been talking about before. If you're not creative and you're just trying to do what used to work, what used to work, what's used to work, what a creative person is going to do is they say, oh, wait, that's not working anymore. What should I do next? That's what creativity is. So it's like the Darwin, it's the survival, not of the fittest, but the one who's most able to adapt, the one who's most able to be creative and do something different.
0: Yeah, and you know, from that same vein, let's say in a sentence, what does holistic ambition mean to you?
1: Okay, so I, I firmly believe that us humans, we've been put on this planet to continue to evolve to our next best self. And it's always about using creativity to get there. Does not, does not mean creativity with a capital A, like make a painting, make art, but use creativity in your life, in your business, and you
0: will have a, you will get to your goals much faster. Evolution. And, you know, we're, we're, we go further when we learn from other people instead of being in a silo. So I'm curious, how can people that are tuning in right now stay connected with you, learn more about you and your book?
1: Sure. So if you like what you heard today, come find me on the Inspiration Place podcast. And if you want to get started reading preneur, absolutely free, I'm giving away chapter one. Go to shulmanart.com forward slash believe Shulman as S-C-H-U-L-M-A-N-A-R-T forward slash believe and you can pick up chapter one for free.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Holistic Ambition. This is Stephanie Thoma saying goodbye for now and inviting you to take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.